Well, friends, please stand for the reading of God's Word. As we experience the penultimate sermon in the series of Acts, if you will. Next to the last, I guess, next to the ultimate. Is that right, Kevin? Okay, thank you. Wonderful. Um, so, I have really enjoyed this series through the book of Acts. It's been very encouraging to me. Hope that it's been encouraging to you. Next year, or next week, we will land the plane and end our, ser- end our series on the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul through the book of Acts. Remember, beloved, these are the very written words of God, words written for you and me. Luke writes, Acts 28, verse 1, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta, The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the form of Appius, And three taverns to meet us on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And may he add his blessing to it. You may be seated. Now, as we've said before, for 50 years... United States has been sending hurricane hunters into the teeth of hurricanes to give us, give us a sense of the wind speeds and the barometric pressure and to give us a sense of where the hurricane is going. And it's just, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We got footage back from Hurricane Ida. It's just almost inconceivable that they send these planes manned by human pilots into the eye of the storm. It's incredible. Well, last week they released first ever footage from a sailing drone. Okay, they have drones, obviously, that can fly through the air, and they now have sailing drones um, 
that they're sending into hurricanes. One just came back from Hurricane Sam last week. It recorded 50-foot waves and 120-mile-an-hour winds, and you can watch some footage from it. And I got queasy just watching it, seeing this little drone go up and down on these massive waves. It's incredible. It's incredible to think about the fact what we learned last week that Paul had been in a storm with hurricane winds for two weeks. For two weeks, they experienced what the Greek would be termed as a Euryclidon, this nor'easter um, of, this, of these winds that came together that produced a massive storm that threw Paul's ship to and fro for two weeks. They couldn't eat for two weeks. They were so seasick. Well, by God's grace, Paul and all 276 on board, they survived, we learned last week. And there they were, floating on debris and swimming from that wrecked ship to what we now know as Malta. So if you have your, your bulletin with your scripture text, let's go through the text. We also have this wonderful map and you can follow along. So last week we ended with the ship wrecked, okay, and the sailors scrambling aboard debris, floating toward what we now find out as the island of Malta. You can look at your sheet. If you look at um, the middle of the far left of the sheet, you can see the sheet. You can see Italy and Sicily, and below Sicily is the island of Malta. That is where the ship ran aground, and they're floating on debris and swimming from the ship to shore in Malta. Here we go, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. Poor Paul, poor Apostle Paul. So when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, imagine he's freezing, it's raining, it's cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out perhaps a viper that had maybe traveled on board the ship or maybe an indigenous, the vipers we don't think is indigenous to the island. They may have lived there for a few years. When Paul had gathered a bum, bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out. It had probably lain dormant for a while. A viper came out because of the heat and it fastened on his hand. Can you imagine? You're the apostle Paul. You haven't hardly eaten anything for two weeks. You have barely survived only to get to land, you're building a fire, and then you have a venomous viper hanging from your hand. That would be a bad day. That would be very difficult. Poor Paul. He's like, Lord, enough. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, they're mumbling, like this guy. Something's wrong with this guy, okay? No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, they've heard about his travails at sea. Justice, that's a Greek term for this female god of justice within the Greek pantheon. No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he's escaped from sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But don't you love Paul? He just kind of casually shakes the creature off, okay? He, however, shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. This is amazing. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, obviously because of the venom. 
But when they had waited a long time, they're just waiting, watching, seeing when it's going to happen. When they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now this is incredible. Luke is recording this to impress upon the reader that nothing was going to hinder Paul from getting to Rome to testify to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not an ambush, not a plot, not the Sanhedrin, not Felix, not Festus, not Agrippa, not a storm, not a snake. Nothing was going to keep the Apostle Paul from his appointed purpose. Nothing can stop the providence of God. And I think Luke is in awe of what he is witnessing. As we noticed last week, the pronouns have changed from they to we. Luke is there. He was on this ship. We saw last week, Luke thought they were going to die. He thought they were going down all hands and then God miraculously preserves the lives of everyone on board. Luke's in awe. But, as the people would find out, Paul was not invincible. This was not going to be some kind of new normal for the Apostle Paul. Paul was going to die an unbelievably difficult death in about five years, a gruesome death. No miracle was going to stop that, but not on this day. On this day, he was not going to die, not until the Lord accomplished his purposes through Paul and not until Rome. So remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Let's continue, verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, the governor of the island, if you will, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. So no doubt Julius. Julius was the Roman centurion who was in charge of getting the Apostle Paul, a political prisoner, from Caesarea to Rome. Julius had witnessed all of these things over the past four months. There is no doubt in my mind that Julius told Publius, you won't believe who we've got on board. You won't believe who we are escorting to Rome. This person, I don't know all that Julius understood about Paul, but he understood that God had his hands on this man. I think Julius talked to Publius, and then Publius showed kind hospitality to Paul. It says he received us, and entertained us hospitably for three days. Verse 8, it happened. Don't you love how Luke says that? It just so happened. What a coincidence that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Now these historical details are amazing. All of the details. Like you can track everywhere that Paul has been on a map, all the nautical details, everything that happened. So there was a, a particular form of illness known to that area called Malta fever, okay? And you would get it by consuming goat's milk, and they didn't understand that's what was causing it, okay? And back in those days in the first century, you know, a bad case of dysentery could kill a man or kill a woman. So it was a huge concern. Verse 8, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul graciously visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him this was astounding to the people there verse 9 and when this had taken place the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came 
and were cured. Presumably many people from the same thing and also possibly other kinds of diseases. This is incredible. What Luke is reporting. All of these things happened exactly as written to encourage the believer about the power of God Almighty. God has the power to heal and preserve and save. This is kind of a foreshadowing of the power of the ages, of the age to come breaking into the now. Unbelievable. Verse 10. So they respond. They honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. In a sense, hearkening back to the Exodus event. When God used the enemy, if you will, the Egyptians, to give gifts and provisions to the Lord's people before they went through the sea. Remarkable, the parallels. And so here we are, the Romans, the pagans, the dreaded enemy of the Lord's people in many ways, provisioning, helping, showing hospitality, kindness to the Lord's people. I'm sure Julius could not believe what he was witnessing. So I think Luke is including all of these details. I mean, notice how much he has slowed down. So in these 28 chapters, we're covering 25, 30 years in that span. And here we are in the last couple chapters, you know, going very slowly, very carefully, lots of details. Luke wants to encourage the reader. Many people were probably reading Acts for the first time during periods of great persecution, great difficulty. They needed the encouragement. They needed the hope. They needed to hold on. But I can imagine that many early readers were confused by this. I can tell you passages like this have confused the modern reader. They've confused the modern reader because we wonder why don't these things happen today? Okay, so what we would argue is that the Lord was confirming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the new covenant. God allowed Jesus, obviously, to do miracles. His disciples did miracles, okay, to prove and to testify that the promises of the new covenant were coming true in Jesus. Okay, but people wonder if God did it then, if he allowed his disciples and his apostles to heal on occasion, to heal great numbers of people, okay, to do miracles like this, why doesn't he allow us to do those today? You know, people wonder, wouldn't that help convince unbelievers? You know, if, if ministers or whoever the Lord appointed could just go into the hospitals and heal the sick and heal people from cancer, why doesn't he do that today? And so they read the book of Acts and they get excited and they're in awe and then they don't see those kinds of things happening today. And it can be discouraging and disillusioning. Why isn't that the case? Okay, what we would say is these are many snapshots, okay, that were intended to encourage Luke, to encourage all his readers. These things happened in space and time. They happened just as written. They give us a foretaste of glory. But as we learn in the book of Corinthians, God has not chosen to grow his kingdom through like, like miraculous, you know, powerful signs. 
How has God chosen in his inscrutable wisdom to grow the kingdom? God has chosen to grow the kingdom through what the world perceives as foolish. God has chosen to spread his gospel through a crucified Jewish Nazarene. God has chosen for what the world perceives to be foolish to save those who would believe. God chose for the Lord Jesus to suffer and encounter difficulty. God chose his own son to live through God's inscrutable promises and, 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 and providences. You know, Jesus at times, like, you know, said, if you're willing, Lord, have this cup pass from me. In his humanity, he struggled. He, he couldn't understand all that was going on. You know, whatever is true of Jesus is going to be true of us in many ways. The providence of God can be difficult. But we're just given little snapshots of what's true in the age to come that's, 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 that's happening here and now. You know, um, the very same Paul who um, healed these diseases and does these miraculous things would be beheaded by Nero in five years. That's, in, that's, in, that's kind of amazing. Why didn't God save Paul? Why didn't God give Paul the length of years that he gave the Apostle John, who probably lived into his 90s? Think of all the things that Paul could have done all over the Roman Empire. That was not God's plan for Paul. God's providence is often inscrutable. It doesn't make sense to us. We can't put the pieces together. God wants us to trust him. Trust what he's done for us and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a plan. He's got a great big plan for all of his people and he has a plan for you and me. Every single detail of our life. Not a hair can fall from our heads apart from the sovereign grace of God in Christ Jesus. He's given us this book to encourage us. God is capable of delivering us. He has delivered us more than we know. But we're called to trust him. Obviously, especially in the difficulties of life. Verse 11. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead, presumably Castor and Pollux, the sons of Zeus. The Romans would trust in them as like the gods of the sailors. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Verse 12, putting in at Syracuse. Look at your map, your handy-dandy map there. You see they've gotten to Malta. They're on shore, then ultimately they sail to Syracuse, kind of a little northwest. Then you'll see they go to Regium, then Puteoli, ultimately the form of Appius, three taverns, and then Rome. Verse 12, putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, verse 13, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Puteoli, verse 14. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. Notice this tagline. The whole book has been leading up to this. The tagline in there. And so we came to Rome. There's not a thing in the world that could keep the Apostle Paul from landing at his appointed destination and then 
we came to Rome. That's where God wanted Paul to bear witness and that's what was going to happen. Verse 15. This is interesting. A little counterintuitive here. Verse 15. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded with him. Now I find the end of verse 15 very interesting because you would think it would read in reverse. You would think that they came upon the famous Apostle Paul. You would think it would read that they came to Paul and they took courage and they were encouraged and they were strengthened because they were with the mighty Apostle Paul. That's not what Luke tells us. Luke tells us that Paul came upon these precious Christian brothers from the church of Rome and he took courage. Isn't that interesting? This man had an angel of the living God appear to him on that distressed ship. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid. As long as everybody stays on this boat with you, not a man will be lost. He survived a bite from this venomous snake. He's healing people. He's tasted the powers of the age to come. Why would he need courage? Isn't that counterintuitive? If Paul needed courage, if he needed encouragement, if he needed strengthening because of what awaited him at Rome, how much more do we? Remember Jesus in Gethsemane? What did Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, all his friends had deserted him? And Luke, the only one of the gospel writers, the same one who wrote this, Luke said, and the angels came and strengthened him. We were not designed to live the Christian life alone. We were designed to be in community with other brothers and sisters. And I don't care how strong you are or your background, you cannot do the Christian life alone. You need other brothers and sisters. Paul wasn't just trusting in some divine connection Paul needed those brothers that met up with him just outside the city of Rome because of what lay ahead. He was about to go on trial. He thought he was going to die. He gets released, but then a few years later, he gets rearrested and he gets beheaded in Rome. He took courage from those brothers in the Lord. Okay, that's why we need to be the church. Not just so that we can take courage from other believers. Other believers rely on you to take courage at their time of need. You know, we need to think about the church as a place we can serve, as a place we can use our gifts to invest in other people. We're all frail, broken people, as my lovely wife likes to say, we're all just barely making it. We're all just barely making it in the Christian life, okay? You need other Christians to invest in you and you need to invest in other Christians. It gives them strength and courage along the way. So many little nuggets here in the book of Acts. And last but not least, I want to go back to that little detail in verse 11 where Luke writes, he notices on this ship Again, I just, I just can't reiterate enough. This is real history. This is all true. We should be so encouraged about the power of God Almighty in Christ Jesus 
through his apostles, all these things happening. You have no reason to doubt. When the Lord, when your time has come, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to send his mighty massive angels to bring you to his bosom, to his side in glory, exactly like he promises. It gives me goosebumps. Look at this little detail in verse 11. Notice the contrast. Luke notices the, the boat onto which they're getting. These two figureheads, okay, that are attached to the bow to the front of the ship. That's Castor and Pollux, the so-called sons of Zeus that the Romans relied on to get them safe passage over the sea. Luke intended this, I think, to present the reader with a contrast and present the reader with a choice. Who are you going to trust after all of this? After all that has been said and done and written, functionally speaking, who or what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in Greek or Roman mythology? Are you trusting in karma? Are you trusting in fate or luck? Or are you trusting the sovereign providence of God Almighty that has wonderful things for his people and has unspeakably difficult things as well? What are you trusting in? Fate, karma, the so-called God of justice, or the personal, gracious, loving providence of God. Sometimes we are left flat-footed by the providence of God. It does not work like we think it should. Think about Paul. I won't belabor this point. All Paul wanted was to go to Rome. If you remember just a few years back, he wanted to go deliver this gift in Jerusalem, and they just head to Rome. Why didn't God just let him travel to Rome? on a fourth missionary journey. Okay, when Paul was in Ephesus, he leaves Ephesus and he takes a gift to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit says to Paul, prison and difficulty await you if you go there. Why didn't the Holy Spirit say, don't go there. Go left, go west, just go straight to Rome. An easy voyage there. Why did the Holy Spirit let Paul go to Jerusalem first? and take him to Rome by way of Jerusalem. Why did God do that? Because of Claudius Lysias. Do you remember Claudius Lysias? The Roman centurion who saved Paul from the mob, Claudius Lysias, the people in the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem who heard Paul testify to Christ, the crowds, the Jews that heard Paul preach at the temple. Of course, Felix and Festus and Drusilla and Herod Agrippa and Bernice, and all of these people, and Julius, and Publius, and his family, and the 276 people on board, okay? God wanted all of those people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was using Paul through great difficulty. He was gonna use Paul's death in Rome. God uses incredibly difficult things to get the Lord's people where they need to be. You know, oftentimes I wish he would just take me there directly. There's a simpler way, Lord. That's not his will for us. He doesn't always heal us from snake bites. He doesn't always use miracles. In fact, he rarely does. He designed his Savior, his Son, to save us by a cross. He designed us to follow in his footsteps on our way to glory. God's providence was bigger than just Paul. 
God's providence in Paul's life involved more than just him. And God's providence in our lives involves more than just us. It's so much bigger than us. He has a plan, the Lord Jesus. We can't understand it. We just have to bow the knee. You just read the newspaper. We live in a very difficult and dark world where hard things happen that God could easily prevent. But he has a plan and he doesn't run it by us. His plan is trustworthy and true. Our job is to trust him and believe him. This wasn't the end for Paul. What was this at the end of the day? This was just the end of the very beginning. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would be taken all over the world and it is happening today. You can hang your hat on that, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is true and beloved. We can trust in his providence, big picture, and in the details of our lives. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you and praise you for this incredible book. It was written for the benefit of Theophilus and other first century Christians. We thank you that in your gracious, kind providence, you allowed this amazing biography of the early church to be written down and copied over and over and over again such that we have a copy of it today. Father, we understand that like the chapter, the 29th chapter as it were, of the book of Acts is going on even now. Father, help us to see that we have a role in it. A role just like Paul in our own particular circumstances. Father, use us as living witnesses to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to to trust in your inscrutable providence. Lord, when difficult things happen, help us to trust that though we can't understand or see how all these parts relate to the whole, help us to understand that they do. These things do somehow relate to a larger, grander, greater plan. Father, help us to trust in your person, your character, and your providence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.